This week on the Boag World Show, we introduce you to the world of sales and marketing and discuss why it's important for all digital professionals to pay attention to it. This week's show is sponsored by Resource Guru and OmniFocus for iOS. Hello and welcome to the Boag World Show, the podcast about all aspects of user experience design, digital strategy, and working in digital. My name is Paul Boag, and joining me as always is Marcus Lindon. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Paul. I'm slightly freaked out. How are you out. doing? I'm fine, but slightly freaked out because I'm on the left-hand side of the video, and I'm normally on the right, so just everything's a bit strange with my world. Everything has gone wrong with the world. <laughs> there you go. Well, I have to say, I'm in a super good mood today. I have had... Ooh. <laughs> Except for one little wrinkle, I've had an amazing day. Not only not only did I spend a good chunk of it drinking alcohol in a beer garden, mm-hmm. so That's always good. Just yeah. bear that in mind Sunshine as I say totally as well. Yeah. Yeah. As I say totally inappropriate things from now on, you'll know <laughs> why. And I yep. take no responsibility for my actions. Pencil um, at the ready for been... notes. <laughs> yeah. Make make notes where you need to edit. <laughs> yeah. Um but I've also been playing with with graphics tools, which has been really good. Oh, the, the best thing about leaving Headscape, don't take offense at this. <laughs> <laughs> that sentence can only go in a bad direction, can yeah. it? The best thing about leaving Headscape is I get to do design now. Because, of course, yeah. while I was at Headscape, I very rarely got to do it anymore. And I'm doing, I'm having such fun at the moment. I'm working with a client... Um, to help them create a design system. They've got really good graphic designers in the organization, but they're not experienced in UI design. So okay. I've, I've been creating a, a design system for them. So it's, you know, it's basically they can just assemble pages and, you know, and, and, and that way they don't have to worry quite so much about the kind of details of, of UI design. And it means that I've got to play with a whole load of the different tools that are available. I've been playing with Sketch, the new version of Sketch, Sketch 58, that's got Mm -hmm. um, new responsive design tools in. I've been playing with Adobe XD, and I've been been playing with Figma, and it's just been great fun. That's that's how days should be, fun. So so which one is it? Well, Um. there's an interesting question. Um, It's actually really... I'm, I'm, I'm writing a blog post, actually, so by the time this podcast comes out, um, it should have been released. So if you just go in and, you know, search on uh, Figma and, and Adobe XD, etc., you'll find it. Um, for this particular client, and based on the fact that I was trying to create... The big keys for me was that the design system had to be responsive in the, in the actual graphics package. Because, yeah. um, you know, if you're... If you're a graphic designer, print designer, one of the hardest things is making that transition to, oh, shit, everything's moving, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted them to be able to see that in the graphics package. So from that regards, actually Adobe XD, which <laughs> I'm shocked at because, you know, I kind of, if, I, if I'm honest, I'd written Adobe off a little bit as all oh, the, the old dinosaur kind of thing. But... Bloody hell, I've got to say, Adobe XD for responsive design system stuff is the hands-down winner. 
Okay. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sketch 58, the new version of Sketch, which has got um, uh, some really nice features in that I like. But I have to say, yeah. Also, of course, these guys are already using Photoshop and that kind of stuff. So it makes it easier. Right? Yeah. yeah. But my my only downside today, Marcus. Sorry, I'm in full ramp mode. Can you tell? It's like verbal diarrhea. Back and you and you go for it, Paul. Yeah. So the only thing that ruined today was Mm. um, was they didn't have your cider in. Well, no, they did actually. (laughs) uh, A a dick that contacted me on LinkedIn. Right. (laughs) I've never I've never had problems with LinkedIn people before. LinkedIn is this nice place. But I got this guy just right. You you get a lot of. I don't know whether you get these, but you get these invites. Oh, from, all the time. Yeah, yeah, all the time. All people the time. people who I've never heard of. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I tend to say yes to those because I have a lot of people that reach out to me that have read my stuff or whatever else. So so I I kind of naively presume that you know they're they're interested in in me. Yes. Right, which is hugely <laughs> arrogant. So, I, so I normally prove, and then inevitably I get the message that follows up saying, "Hey, why don't you hire us for twenty five dollars an hour or something?" That's fine. Yeah. I just yeah. then unfollow them. Today I had a special one. Oh right, he, he reached out to me and said, "Oh, we're really interested in you being a, a, an event that we're doing." Oh, good speaking opportunity. Um, but I just, there was something about the way that he worded it that made me a little bit suspicious. So I wrote back and said, are you trying to sell me, uh, the, you know, the, the ability to speak at your event rather than paying me? And I said, I should explain that, you know, I speak at a lot of events and sometimes I do it for free, but oftentimes I'm paid and I certainly wouldn't pay you to speak at an event. So he came back and said, well, you've never, never spoken at an event like ours, which immediately put my back up, right? (laughs) But then I said, look, I'm not interested. And then he wrote back to me saying, "Um, oh, I I was really polite. I was very British about it. I said, I'm terribly sorry, but that's not something I'm interested in, right? And he wrote back to me and said, there's no need to be sorry. I understand that some people uh, really struggle to know the things they should do to grow their business. (laughs) You arrogant little shit. (laughs) Right? So, which I think perfectly perfectly segues into our, our topic for today, which is how to do sales and marketing. And the key is not to be a dick. There you go. We're done. Kind of. Yeah, that's it. It it really is, isn't it? It's all about being a nice, normal human being. And don't be an arrogant prat, you know, honestly. Anyway, there we go. Uh, I always thought that things like that just washed over you, Paul, but obviously they don't. Um, You're deeply ranting about all all of this and that how could people talk to me? Don't you know who I am? In that yeah, sort of way. I, I'm very <laughs> conscious that that's what it came across as. But you wouldn't speak to anyone like that, would you? Uh, it'll be just some kid who's under massive pressure to sell. Um, yeah. It's like... Uh, oh, it's yeah. Like, it it's is. When you, when you get those... Um, 
and they these kind of make me laugh but it's like when when uh, a pop-up will come up on a website and uh, sign up for our newsletter to get them the amazing thing and then yeah. in tiny, tiny letters or or you'd rather die or something like yeah, that yeah, and, yeah. And this just makes me laugh it's like how is that gonna how on earth is that gonna make me want uh, you know uh, just firstly feel good about the the business that i'm looking at here it's just gonna make me think you're a dick or all yeah. of you are dicks so don't do it end off, there was a, the best one i ever saw was when my um, my um wife came across now uh, why she was looking she was looking at good housekeeping magazine right <laughs> my, neither of us have ever kept our house in any kind of order so i've no idea why she was looking at it, but she was anyway and it came <laughs> this pop-up overlay that was like top tips to keep your house clean you know i know some bullshit like that and th- and th- so i had a yes sign me up and the other one was no i like living in a pigsty <laughs> screw you <laughs> exactly yeah yep yeah. there you go that's it but oh, some well, of them make me laugh it's like you know like there's a um, i'll occasionally look up uh you know like chords and tabs and things for, for songs yeah. and the, and the, they'll come up as like sign up for our whizzy app or whatever or no i don't want to rock and things like that but that's <laughs> yeah. kind of like quite funny uh but it's when it's like you know it's condescending just don't do it yeah and that's what it was for this guy was mm. that he he was trying to condescend to me you mm. know and which which is particularly galling yeah it's uh, you not nothing to do with the you know don't you know who i am but it's like you are half my age do you <laughs> don't you dare tell me how to run a business considering you're working for some events agency and i've been running a business now for what 18 years or something like that you know it's like ah. Oh. <laughs> so yes he he got under my skin which might have been something to do with the fact that i've been drinking at lunchtime or it might just be to do with, as Lewis has just pointed out in the chat room, I'm getting old. And you shout things like, get off my lawn. Yeah. You know, get off my land. Exactly. <laughs> my West Countryness coming out. Okay, Marcus. Marcus, what's your thought for the day before we really sensibly getting into to, um, uh, sales and marketing? Right. This one, <sighs> I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit cynical and possibly a bit contentious this week, but sometimes you have to be. But basically, I think there is quite a large gap between what we in the web or digital industry think people should care about <laughs> and, and what they actually care about. Um, so, um, it, I, I, of course, it, it's right that our industry is always thinking ahead of the people it works for. It's right that there's a gulf of knowledge between what we know and what our potential clients know because they're hiring us for that knowledge after all. Um, but the, the person, and I, I'm kind of keep coming back to pitching, I suppose, and that's kind of relevant to, to, to today's yeah. um, conversation. But the person on the panel who's been brought in to see whether or not his or her company should hire you to design their website basically wants you to reassure them that, that you'll do a great job. I mm-hmm. don't think that they're particularly keen a lot of the time on you telling them that they'll need to invest even more time and people and budget than they're currently thinking they'll need to. Now, of course, there's a kind of educational angle to this, um, but sometimes, and oh yes, I ought to say that the, the, the title of this little rant, because um, it is a rant, I suppose, is sometimes we need to get real. And so, as as I, as the title goes, sometimes we just 
do need to get real. Or more put more precisely, I guess, we need to find a balance between when we should be educating and persuading people when it's appropriate to do so against understanding when we just need to go with the flow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And procurement is an excellent example of this. Um, and though I wish there was, there isn't really a world where most would-be clients are willing to engage a third-party agency without going th through some sort of pitching process. And this is particularly true in the public sector, which we work a lot in. Mm. Um, now, don't get me wrong on this. I'm certainly not vouching for the ridiculous often and wasteful and inappropriate hoops <laughs> of flame that we ha we're expected to jump through just for the chance to work with, say, our local council. And I've walked away from many opportunities, in air quotes, in the past, <laughs> and will do so again uh, in the future because of this kind of thing. But I guess what I'm saying here is, do my actions make one iota of difference to the procurement processes that I'm bravely standing up to? Of course no. not. No. So maybe I am being a bit cynical. I'm not really. What I'm saying here, today's thought for the day is, pick your battles wisely on this particular subject. It's really, really interesting you bring this up, actually, because I, I, I've been having this kind of conversation with one of the people that I mentor at the moment, um, and she's running a, a freelance agency, and, and she's very keen to do things the right way, you know, mm. lots of user testing, you know, all of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff that, that you should do. Um, and, and she's come across a client recently that, um, you know, is just saying, just do it. You know, yeah, yeah. I just want you to make a website, right? And yep. I'm, we're not, I'm not even going to give you any content. Just make shit up and put it <laughs> online. Yeah, I'm exaggerating yeah. for comic effect, but essentially that. Mm. And and the conversation we had is, well, look, that there probably are all kinds of factors involved here that you are utterly unaware mm -hmm. of, yeah. right? And uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, and my gut told me in this particular case that they wanted a website live because they they told investors that they would have a website live by a certain date, right? Yes. I, and actually, beyond that, it didn't really matter. Um, and and I said to her, and that's okay, you know, mm -hmm. it's okay if they're as long as they're being honest with themselves about why they're doing what they're doing, and as long as you say look, this isn't the right way of doing this, but I'm willing to accommodate it, that's okay. You know, and, and sure enough, that was pretty much what they wanted. And they they turned around to her and said, well, look, okay, I totally accept what you're saying, but let's do the quick and nasty version, and mm -hmm. then we can sort out the rest later. And maybe. so I think, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And whether they do or not is beside the point. It's mm -hmm. more the fact that, you know, you've just got to um, take, you've just got to accept that sometimes there are other constraints, you yeah, know. And, you know, I, and people, we, people we speak to have got, you know, it might be particularly that person that I described who, who's been wheeled in for the pitch. What we're talking about on that day is less than 1% of their job and their responsibilities and the pressures they're under. So what what they what you might get back from them you might think well hang on a minute you're not really listening here actually it's because it's it's just not part of of their no you know what's going on in their lives or their in, in their work lives and it comes back to the as we've said over and over and over again the uh the jared spall thing about you're never going to persuade uh, an executive mm. to you know understand or go with ux you need to frame it in their terms but some like that, i'm going even one further and i'm saying sometimes you've just got to 
except that what you're hearing is the is what's required even though mm. you don't necessarily agree with it and you've got to choose whether you want to do it or not and to be honest this extends even beyond like sales and marketing and and clients and that kind of stuff i have to think with websites as well you know the amount to us it's like making a website easy to use is the most important thing in the world but i think the vast majority of users that hit web, our websites they don't even they're not even thinking this is hard to use or easier to, easy to use they're just like oh, let's get this off my task list and move on to the next thing what mm. we do is not that important <laughs> <laughs> which is a really <laughs> yeah i know and it will get you in all kinds of trouble these days and no doubt i will do for saying that you know all designers can change the world and all that stuff yes in some situations that mm. is true and I'm not saying that's not true, but most of us, you know, people don't care that much. They don't think about what we do that much. They're not aware of what we do that much. That doesn't mean what we do doesn't have value, mm. but it's, it's an invisible value. It's not something that people are aware of. Um, and I want, you know, my, my biggest, my biggest dream, perhaps this is, um, yeah, I've very biggest poor dream dreams coming up. Now. Poor dreams. This is very poor. <laughs> but one of my biggest dreams is that somebody will go to my site and leave my site without really having um, a conscious feeling about that site at all. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that you know it doesn't create a strong negative reaction but i don't necessarily need it to create a strong positive re um action as long as they as long as they do what i need them to do does that make sense yeah. i don't need them to go to one of my sites and go wow this is one of the best sites i've ever seen you know it's about I being appropriate yeah yeah your site doesn't need to be wow well maybe it does it does need a certain amount of wow because you work it needs within... enough it needs enough wow to get people to do what you need them to do mm. well and but it needs to support the paul boag brand as well uh, oh sorry can... i didn't mean just my site i meant even my client sites okay you know i think it as long as as long as it gets people to where they need to be I think so so many people want to create these wonderful glorious sites to impress their peers right or even sometimes to impress their clients mm. when when actually they need to be creating something that does the job right, right. I don't know perhaps I'm just getting cynical uh, and old well yes I started it so there you go yeah you started it i'll blame you that's good i expect somebody uh people are disagreeing me with me in the chat at the moment but i can't not, read no, it and no. talk at the same they're not okay no, no. sales and marketing time? yes that's what we're talking about today uh right so should is sales and marketing something that we all need to pay attention to i mean i'm I, you know me and marcus obviously have got sales and marketing is a big part of our job it's a big part of what i do well if you're a developer you don't need to know anything about marketing then surely what if you're a copywriter you don't need to know about marketing and sales well mm, not necessarily i actually think that us all having an understanding of at least some aspects of sales and marketing is is pretty important for everybody and i want to kind of lay out some reasons why i feel that that's the case um and then we'll get into 
what you need to pay attention to and so on. Um, I think the first thing to say is that most websites, not all, but most websites have a sales and marketing component to them, right? So we are building things that at least a part of what they do is sales and marketing. Now, there are exceptions to that, um, you know, but even if you're building like an app or something like that, um, you still want people to keep using it, right? Mm. You still want to keep them engaged with it. So there is a sales and marketing component going on there. Um, I think it's also worth saying that many digital roles, um, whether it's the majority or not, I couldn't tell you, but certainly the majority that I encounter actually those digital roles report into a marketing function for better or worse, whether that's right or wrong, that's often the way it is. And so having an understanding of the context of that department that you sit within, very important. Mm -hmm. um, The other thing is, obviously, if you run any kind of business of your own, sales and marketing is unavoidable. And I think probably the reason that most... um, digital people fail in running their own business whether that be a software as a service whether that be an agency whatever is because they think well i can build stuff therefore i'll be fine and actually it's the sales and marketing that lets you down or alternatively the business side of things you know the the finances and stuff like that but you know if you can't sell yourself you know you can be the best at what you do but if people are unaware of you if they don't know you exist that means nothing you know stephen hawkins wasn't necessarily the best physicist in the world but he was one of the best at promoting himself (laughs) that's the sad truth it's true i I think i think there's different levels isn't there i think if you are um a mid-level developer in a team of 200 in a massive company then i suspect you can probably get away with not really paying that much attention to sales and marketing as opposed to if you're if you're running your own business uh then it's huge so but but what you're saying i think is is it's unavoidable even if you're that person uh, you know that the developer i described in, in the in the huge company because what you're building is likely to have some kind of you know you it there'll be they'll you'll be creating calls to action to mm. to make people do stuff which is related to the marketing team that have you know designed the thing that you're building or whatever so but yeah it, it, it's it, it will vary depending on your role I suppose. lewis is picking on me for using um <laughs> Hawkins as an example. <laughs> Apparently, I could have picked a softer target for that. Yes, probably a fair comment. <laughs> um, I, but I, I think I would go a little bit further than you over that. You know, let's imagine you are a developer that works in a team of two hundred people or whatever. Um, actually, I think being aware of sales and marketing and having a basic knowledge of that is still very worthwhile outside of your immediate role so for example i know a lot of developers who work in large organizations who've got that little side project on the go where they're building a you know software as a service Mm. and actually if you've got a side project on the go and if you ever want to make any money about uh, from doing that then you're going to need to know how to sell, sell it and to market it also one of the best ways of getting a job or getting promoted is to build an online profile right to become well known you will get paid more you will get better job offers if you do that so even in those um kinds of situations and then if you're a uxe person or even a 
do you know what? Even a developer as well. If you want to promote, whether it be user-centric thinking in your organization or better digital best practice or whatever, essentially convincing other people and you know, within your organization to care about this stuff, that sells the marketing. Just mm. because it's happening internally, it's all the same skill set. So Quite. on that basis, I think everybody needs to care about what I care about and why <laughs> don't they? <laughs> Going back to the getting real thing. <laughs> yes, Paul. That's, yes, you need to get real. Yes. Okay. Let's take a break from my, my full-scale rant um, and uh, talk for just a second about Resource Guru, who are supporting this episode um it's lovely the thing i love about resource gurus they always tweet when whenever they sponsor a show they always put out a tweet saying oh you should check out this and it's lovely they are, i want to give them a big hug they're lovely uh, that could you, be you, the you alcohol have speaking. been drinking haven't you paul yeah yes. yeah i love i love resource guru <laughs> okay um mental note don't drink before podcasting so um, Resource Guru, uh, if you don't know, they're a project management tool that helps you take back control of your projects um, and run more productive teams. Um, so you c it's got a whole load of really good features that you might want to check out. So Resource Guru will let you instantly see who's busy and who's available within your team. It gives you confidence about your project timelines to make sure that they're realistic, make sure you've got the right resources available when you need them. Um, and alongside that kind of fast resource scheduling, you also get features like leave and absence management, calendar syncing. You get all these kinds of utilization reports, which can be really, you know, really important, especially when you're running your own agency. Um, I would just say give it a go. It's a really great app. There's some great companies that are using it. Um, you've got a 30-day free trial to go and have a play with it by going to resourceguru.io forward slash boag. You don't have to put a credit card in when you you do that 30-day trial. And you know how great a fan I am of not tricking people into accidentally paying for things. Um, and if you decide to subscribe, you can use the promo code BOAGWORLD2019, which will save you 20% off of the entire lifetime of your usage. So it's very much worth doing. So that's uh, Resource Guru. Right. What's next, so Paul? Yeah, well, we've kind of established that sales and marketing should matter and everybody should care about it with my convincing and compelling argument. <laughs> so uh, the next question is what kind of aspects of sales and marketing should we care about? Now, really, this is where Marcus should leap in and tell us, being the sales and marketing expert that he is, but he wouldn't <laughs> put any effort into doing the show. None of so Far too busy. We've got nothing for this section. Oh, Just, well. Don't mind. be a dick. There you go. Don't be a dick. There we go. <laughs> we covered it earlier. Now, I've kind of, uh, because Marcus couldn't be asked, I've kind of identified some areas that I think um, you, you, is worth you spending a bit of time looking at. Right. First of which is content marketing, right? So content marketing is really good if you want to build a personal profile, if you want to promote some kind of side project you're working on. And also for increasing 
the understanding of your colleagues within an organization to to help them understand best practice and stuff like that so we're talking about things like social media updates blogging podcasting email marketing all of that kind of stuff all um, the stuff i don't do all the stuff that Marcus. No, I. You once in. Well, you do a podcast. I do. You do turn po- up for the, this. The, I do turn up for this, and I do occasionally blog. But yes, and and there you, you know, go. occasionally, very occasionally, go on to social media. Social media, don't you know? Yes. Well, what the young people do. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it's definitely. It's, but then, Marcus, you know, you're old. You're pushing retirement. You don't care about building your profile anymore, do you? Really. You've given up on life, basically. That's is is that a true statement or not? I probably care, but not enough. Is the yeah, truth. not enough to do anything? <laughs> no, I do. It's, I'll have little bursts of like, oh, let's let's um, you know, let's let's uh, start talking again on Twitter and things like that. But then I, it just fades away. You're like you're <laughs> like I am with getting fit. <laughs> I want to do it up to the point where it involves any effort. <laughs> yeah and i kind can't of argue not, with that can you well no and i'm similar on getting fit although i am actually getting better on that one because you start to see benefits or you start to see not benefits you start to see uh results uh and then you go oh, okay yeah that's the, it's worth doing this so i'll carry on so i get that that applies to to marketing yourself as well i guess if you start to see if you if you're putting out blog posts for a year and nobody no one's looked at them i guess that would start to grate a little and the same would apply with being fit or trying to be fit but if you if you see people starting to read your stuff or you start to see a change in your body then you're going to carry on doing it maybe absolutely yeah so anyway there's content marketing um it's a massive subject i'm not even going to try and cover it all in this show um, but I'm going to share some resources later that you can go and check out. And that's kind of a reoccurring theme this season. It's really, I'm just kind of making the case why you should do it, telling you the specific parts you need to pay attention to, and then pointing you in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, content marketing is one. The other one is is the kind of step on from content marketing, if that makes sense, um, which is is understanding the idea of a sales funnel, right? And and when you talk about a sales funnel, it, it sounds suddenly very, very serious marketing stuff. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be that full on. Um, and so what, I'm, what this basically is, is, is just kind of thinking a little bit about how your audience progresses right how you take them from from talking to someone for the very first time or they're encountering your content for the very first time all the way through to hiring you right so you know even in in, in my case the fact that you're listening to this now or, or you're in the chat room you are in my sales funnel. Wow, that sounds deeply <laughs> disturbing. And we just um, lost half the audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, because you're, you know, you're engaging with my content, but what would be the next progression for you? You know, is it to sign up for my newsletter or is it, um, you know, to, to follow me on social media? Is it, to, you know, hire me you know buy one of my courses or hire me or whatever else all of these things move on i'm now freaking everybody out in the chat room by <laughs> me saying you're in my sales funnel um 
So, uh, by the way, just so you know, for the people in the chat room, the fact that you've turned up for a live event means you're deeper into my sales funnel <laughs> than people that are just listening to the podcast. Oh, sh- shakes this- head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's nothing nefarious about my sales funnel. I want to emphasize that. So, so if you're going to pay attention to sales funnel, um, you, you want to think about things like your customer journey map. Um, you know, what's the journey that your customers go on? You want to think about things like your calls to action. (laughs) The chat room is now starting a support group. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, uh, you want to think, think about things like your, your calls to action, engagement how you're engaging with your audience how you're going to measure um you know things within yourself sort of what your kpis are so you know where you're losing people's attention possibly by talking about sales funnels too much <laughs> um and then also things like subjects like conversion rate optimization are all subjects that kind of relate back to this idea of of um sales funnels the next area that i would encourage you to look at is is sales writing, right? So writing content um, or writing copy um, that has primary purpose is to convince. Um, so this is, well, Marcus, you do loads of this when you write proposals, you know. Tons, yes. So there's things <laughs> like um, uh, that I, I tried to hand across to you, Marcus, there and, mm-hmm. and let you take it, but you just said tons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst co-host ever <laughs> that's so not true you mean person <laughs> i'm just letting you oh. flow today paul you've got the you know you've been to the pub it's yeah it's, exactly you're, go- you're going great i'm supporting you by just sitting back and letting you talk yeah there you, you let me dig my own hole <laughs> aren't you, basically yeah so um that's things like you know so if, if that's something you care about, how to kind of present yourself in writing to the world, then you want to think about things like market positioning, you know, how, where, what make, you know, compared to your competitors, where do you sit? What's your, your role? Identifying your differentiating factors. So I'm sure if I said to Marcus, what makes Headscape different from any other dis, uh, digital agency he will instantly come up with a really piffy compelling statement that outlines why that's the case go marcus my favorite one of these is one that ian came up with because we were talking about uh this you know we all we say on on the website at the moment because we went kind of like if you remember super simple and uh, super super direct it's just like you know we do web web design development and strategy um but Ian had a sub strap line that he wanted to add in that we don't dick you about or, <laughs> or we're honest, full stop, yeah. um, and things like that. So I think, I know I'm joking about it, but I think that is our, one of our main differentiating factors is that we're, we're a small, we're choosing to be small agency that doesn't have a, a kind of like five year get out of the business kind of plan or anything like that mm. we're we're just in it to do good job and in, uh, do a good job and enjoy it while we're doing it and and basically yeah not not dick people about and it's think, a really hard one to get across in a proposal though you can do it in a pitch much more easily but it's yeah. it's a hard thing to write about um i think the problem with framing it in the we're honest with you we don't dick you about point of view is that i always think a good way of working out 
whether something is a true differentiator or not. It's to flip it, right? So would any agency ever say we're <laughs> dishonest? We do dick you about. And the answer is no. So it's not really a differentiator if you word it like that. But I think what you're saying is that whole thing about, you know, we're here to work with you. You know, we're not, you're not just a commodity to us. You're mm. not just another client that we're churning. You know, we're, we, you know, we're not, you aren't just funding our, our bigger, grander schemes, you know. Correct. And I think that there are agencies there that, that want to grow and want to be big and, you know, uh, and, and. And the consequence of that is you're just a stepping stone. So actually, your differentiator is we're small and we're personal. And, you know, that, that, that's how I would do it, I think. Mm. Ah, it's interesting, isn't it? One of the um, uh, – somebody's just um, – so is it? It's Paul. It's just asked, what about objection handling? And that's the next thing on my list, actually, um, that one of the big things when it comes to selling is actually handling objections and concerns, Right. So one of the concerns for hiring an agency is always, you know, oh, do they understand the unique challenges of our sector? And that's why it's really important to show the different sectors that you work in, right? Another one might be, you know, are they going to go out of business in a year? So you want to show, well, actually, we've been around X number of years, we're financially stable, that kind of thing. So people have all of these different um, uh, objections in their mind. And a big part of, of you know, um, being compelling in sales and marketing is actually objection handling now paul was specifically asking in the chat room how do you handle objections well you don't say you might be worried we're going to go out of business in a year because obviously that doesn't that plants it in their heads but mcdonald's is a really good example to look at in how they handle this online right because obviously we've we've all heard the rumors about McDonald's about what may or may not be in chicken McNuggets. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's chicken, but what type of chicken? Mm-hmm. You know, or the French fries don't actually contain any potato. They're all these urban myths. Now on their website, what they do is they talk about you know that we always use chicken breast even in our McNuggets, right? Or, you know, we source our potatoes from local. So they, they reference, they, they deal with the objection without necessarily directly referencing it, which I think is a, a really good way of dealing with it. The other thing you want to look at when it comes to writing for sales, whether it be proposals or your online copy or whatever, is look at, focus on the benefits of, that you provide, not just what you're going to do. So uh, again, going back to the kind of mar- uh, writing Marcus does, you know, yes, you do need to lay out how you're going to do what you're going to do, what you're going to deliver for people. But you also need to show what benefits that's going to provide the, the business, the organization as well. Um, so that kind of relationship between benefits and features, I think, is a really important thing to look into. And then alongside objection handling, you also want to look at people's questions that they have, what pain points they're struggling with that you might be able to help with them. So there's all that kind of side of things. So writing compelling um, copy, I think, is a really interesting area. And then the last area is, is the got pitching. one thing to add to that, Paul. Yeah, one, go for one, it. One further thing, which would be, I think, when you're particularly when you're writing proposals, um, I've said this many times before, is don't avoid the stuff you don't want to deal with answer all the questions that you're being asked about and the other one and this is and this applies to all writing i guess not just writing proposals is don't assume um or 
yeah don't assume that the that the person reading it understands what you're on about um yeah <laughs> you need to explain you and it can often that can feel like oh it's i've, I've got to write this five sentences instead of one but you need to do that um otherwise people are going to think what is he on about um that's, that's really important so yeah answer the questions and answer them thoroughly i suppose is what i'm saying yeah yeah i mean it, an interesting example of that right um because i think that applies not just to to um pitches uh, sorry uh, proposals but also applies to copy your writing online and to be mm. honest even conversations i was having a um a conversation with one of the people i mentor this morning and and I, I i said i hate using this term but it's very applicable right now um really you need to be focusing on thought leadership right thought mm. leadership everybody knows what that means but this person didn't right just you know and it happens you know you do these mm. you, you do have these blank spots in your in what you know so you can't and that's what always gets on my nerves when clients start using jargon oh well everyone knows that well what if you're new to the sector you mm. might not know it or what if you don't speak english as your primary you know your first language you might not know it it's, mm. we all have gaps in our knowledge of that kind of stuff so yeah totally agree marcus and I do agree about that, that whole thing about not avoiding stuff as well. Um, people do that all the time. You know, oh, we won't, um, you know, I, I see people doing that when they try and sell their design concepts, right? They go into a meeting, right, here's, here's our wonderful new designs. And you know damn well that one of the people in the room will, won't like the fact that you've done X, right? In the design, you sit there going, please don't mention it. Please don't mention it. Please don't mention it. Of course they mention it. And then you have to, you look like you're on the back foot the whole time. Well, if you, ta if you tackled it from the outset, it would have been so much better. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Deal with stuff. Deal with stuff. Totally. And then the, so that brings us on to the final, which is what, um, area, which is in-person sales, right? And that might be selling a design concept. It might be selling why your team needs an extra three people in it, or it might be doing a pitch as an agency. All of that is kind of in-person sales that we all have to do from time to time. So you want to look at things like pitching, um, uh, which is, uh, is, uh, I think, I'm just trying to think what the best advice about pitching is. Turn it into a conversation rather than a presentation, I think, would be the best piece of advice I could give. Yeah. Um, I think it's really good to have a good PowerPoint keynote or whatever to kind of support you and give people uh, something visual to kind of connect with. But do not put a load of bullets up and read them out. Um, yeah because everyone hates and that. to make it feel okay to interrupt you when you're giving that i, I would rather have yeah, it's, it's that's what you just said about having a conversation i would rather deal with questions as they come up than they've forgotten about later just, yeah it, it, as soon as you start having a, a back and forth conversation it suddenly stops being them and us it it becomes we could actually pay, maybe work with these people you know and, and yeah. i've always said that that's that's actually the key with pitching. It's it's getting people to think. Can I? I want to work with these people because chances mm. are, who you're up against will be similar in price. They'll be off. They'll have similar skill sets and they'll have similar experience. So mm. really, often it comes down to whether whether you get on. Yeah, and then that. So you know, kind of follow on from that. Then is you know the ability to network the the and and I don't mean network in the 
it's such a shit term with so I many connotations <laughs> associated with it. To go to build... the local chamber of commerce oh, and meet God. other business people. Yeah, on who a Tuesday are also night, trying to sell. Yes. Yeah. And listen to everyone pitching their idea or their thing oh. that they want you to buy. Oh, that's, but, that's, that's hell, that is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Total waste of time as well for all concerned. No, I mean, what I'm talking about is building relationships with people, you mm. know, so, so you have good, healthy, you know, business relationships with people, which a lot comes down to what Marcus was saying about being likable. I think being, building trust is a really mm. important one as well, you know? Yeah. Somebody can be likable, but you wouldn't trust them as far <laughs> as you can throw them. And if you don't trust them, you're not going to hire them, are you, really? Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, the lovable rogue is not somebody you want building your website. Um, and uh, and so then we get into this whole area of emotional intelligence, which mm. is a bullshit phrase that that basically is being a decent human being and you know unlike the guy that i was dealing with on on linkedin and you he's know still there he's, in your head isn't he he's still there getting <laughs> me yeah um building that kind of rapport with people and that relationship with people um and and to be honest this is where marcus is far better at it than i am you know uh, we've got well we have one client we work with for years that that marcus was best mates with and marcus you know he thought you know the sun shined out of marcus's backside and he called me a snake oil salesman ah right yes. <laughs> yeah yeah well it's true though it is true <laughs> I, you know you've got this you've got something about you that that makes you very good at this kind of stuff you know um, and it probably goes back to your very early pop star careers and having to meet lots of people and deal with lots of people and that kind of stuff. Well, my my formative youth was spent sitting in a darkened room. You know, it's it's different, isn't it? Yeah, so. that's absolutely true. Um, <laughs> yeah, because as a nineteen year old, probably about a nineteen twenty year old, I was suddenly wheeled out into interviews with with djs who had a million listeners and then and then television interview the next day yeah it's like none of us have had any experience whatsoever and you just had no. to turn on the charm like that and it was like <laughs> yeah i guess that's where i did learn because quite a lot that's true if you're in a pitching situation you know it's going to be at 10 a.m next tuesday uh, yeah. and you might not feel that great at 10 a.m next tuesday <laughs> but you've still got to you've got to turn up and do the job so that ability to turn it on yeah i got from the, from those days and i guess that's a tip yeah you need to kind of like accept that it, it, it's a it's a work task and sometimes you don't feel like doing work tasks but it's a mm. work task where you have to kind of be empathetic with people you're with and kind of friendly and you know making an effort to kind of yeah show that you're trustworthy and somebody that you might want to work with and i think that's the that's the other thing that you're very good at which is something that can be learned but i think it's harder to learn is that that empathy that you you come across as quite you find it quite easy to put yourself in other people's position and to make those people feel valued and to make them you know feel um that it's about them rather than about you um, and I think, you know, I think that's absolutely key to sales is that, you know, that ability to empathize, to identify people's pain points, the struggles that they're facing, the things that are frustrating them 
and to to stand alongside them in helping solve what those things are um rather than uh, the worst kind of salesman is the one where you get that instant vibe they want something from you yep right the bully. you know a, a yeah a good salesperson is there to offer you something and that's the kind of fundamental difference so yes there's a little bit of sales and marketing there's quite a lot in there for you to look into and i'll give you some resources in just a second but first of all i want to talk about um our sponsor for the show talking of sales and marketing i'm now going to sell it to you in a very traditional way um but fortunately it's a cool product so you don't mind it's more awareness building let's call it awareness building sounds better than that than they're selling at you so it's omnifocus um if you haven't tried omnifocus then then you probably should do marcus i don't ever imagine you using something like omnifocus that'd be far too organized wouldn't it for you i don't know what it is what is it paul tell me we've covered it multiple times on the podcast i always turn off at these points you know that La, it's la, a, la. It, look at my phone there, i mean obviously they'd probably it's a to-do list i know manager. what it is <laughs> yeah don't be a don't be a dick there you go it's you being the dick now um after i just said how empathetic you are you're I being tr- a dick i tried using all sorts of just even just reminders and stuff like that you have to commit and do it all the time uh, it's a bit like we were talking earlier about getting fit. yeah i'll i'll i'll, just, I'll do it and then i'll just like pfft. Don't need, I don't need this. It, it's it's not a thing I require. So I'm actually doing more work. To, I'm, I'm not selling shit. I'm not selling it. Oh no! No no no! <laughs> no, I actually think you are right, okay. and I'll tell you why I think you are. Because I'm wrong. It's because no no no. I, I think you're entirely right for you. I think not. Not everybody needs a tool like that, right? Hmm. And I think a big part of the reason why you don't need a tool like that is because you are a very laid-back person, right? You don't get stressed, right? Well, if you're someone that gets stressed, having a tool like OmniFocus that just remembers everything for you is a huge weight off of a lot of people's minds. It certainly was mine when I started using it. That feeling, oh, you know, I used to have things buzzing around my head the whole time of, oh, shit, I mustn't forget that. And, oh, oh. Well, having it all in OmniFocus gave me a lot of peace of mind, but that's not something you struggle with. Mm. Um, you know, the other, the, obviously the other thing is it's, it's better for planning. If you've got a tool like that, then you're, you're, you're much more organized. It's easier to review stuff. But it's not like you're dealing with an enormous number of competing tasks. No. Right? A lot of people are, mm. but you just happen not to be in your job. Um, and then side the final thing, five, usually that's about it. Yeah. And, and then the other thing with OmniFocus is it's really good for getting work done by specific deadlines, but not a lot of your work is got to be done by specific deadlines. Some of it does, obviously, mm. but not, you know, not the kind of day to day sales activities. So really, I think a tool like OmniFocus is good if you're someone under a lot of stress, if you're someone that, that has a lot of different things to juggle, and if, you know, if you, you have to work and deliver to deadlines. So, you know, yeah, I think they'd, they'd accept that, mm. you know. No, to, no product is for everybody. But yeah, so it's really good. Uh, it, OmniFocus for iOS is particularly good. It runs on your iPhone, your iPad. It even runs on your Apple Watch. It does all the syncing you'd expect. It works with Siri and all that kind of good stuff as well. 
Um, it does everything you'd expect, basically. You know, it does actions, projects, flagging, due dates, notes, batch editing, tagging to give you an additional level of organization, depending on your location, energy level or whatever it is you choose. It's got forecast views. Um, it's got, you know, you can review things so that you constantly feel on top of stuff. You can get, obviously, notifications, all that kind of stuff. What makes it really good is it's just easy to use. Yet, if you want to, you can delve in and it's incredibly powerful. It walks that balance between being a power user tool and something that anybody can step into and get started on. And that's that's why I've always loved it as a tool. Uh, it works on your Mac as well. It works, um, oh, OmniFocus for the web. Do you know what? I didn't know it did the web as well. There you go. You learn something new every day. So go and, go and give it a go at OmniFocus.com. Okay. Cool. Let's talk about some resources as we wrap up. So basically, I'm I'm just going to, I mean, sales and marketing, blooming it, you know, you can't swing a cat without hitting something about sales and marketing, a book or a, you know, a course or whatever that's going to teach you some stuff. Um, I can't say I've read a huge amount on this subject. It's more been kind of trial and error with me, which is very professional. I'm sure I should have some proper education around it, but I don't suppose Marcus has either. Um, Lewis has just pointed out Seth Godin, which is a great course. Um, uh, Lewis, Seth Godin is, is very, a very realistic marketer. You know, some you read a lot of bullshit out there, <laughs> but Seth Godin is actually quite realistic and quite true. But what I'm going to, I'm, I've, I've basically in the show notes, I'm going to compile a crap load of articles that I've written. Um, uh, uh, so um, you can check those out, and hopefully there'll be some stuff that will be useful to you. So here's some of the ones that you might want to check out. I've got one on on um, content marketing, and in particular with content marketing, how to do it when you haven't got a lot of time, because let's face it, none of us have got a lot of time. If you haven't checked out the bonus stuff from before this season with um, Colin Gray, he did a mini season on content stacking, similar principles in this article that I'm going to cover, but you might want to go back and listen to those as well. Um, I've got an article on sales funnels which you might find very useful. I've got an article, quite a long guide, really, to conversion rate optimization, which is definitely worth tre- checking out. Um, I've got a post on why and how to gain users' trust online. Um, and a lot of those principles will apply in any situation, even if it's in person or in a proposal, etc. And then I've got a load of stuff that you might not have seen because it's stuff that I posted um, to the Shopify blog. So I've got um, uh, an article on persuading clients to hire your design firm. That's worth checking out. I've got another one on how to convince others of your design direction. So selling your design. Got another one about writing uh, proposals, which is a really good one. Uh, He says humbly. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) It's bloody brilliant. Um, And then finally, um, uh, an article entitled, You're Nothing Special, How to Stand Out in a Crowded Marketplace. So all of those are are kind of a bit of an introduction to sales and marketing um, that you might want to have a look at. Okay, I think cool. that's that's about it. Marcus, do you have a joke to wrap us up with? Paul, am I allowed to do a dyslexia joke? Yeah, go on. Okay, I'll have one a season. 
<clears throat> or maybe two. Um, <laughs> what do you get when you cross an insomniac, an agnostic, and a dyslexic? Go on. Someone who stays up all night wondering if there really is a dog. Oh, that's dear. pretty good come on that is pretty good that is, that's not bad but it, you've probably offended insomniacs dyslexics and whatever the other one was religious people oh, hang on a minute. Who, who told me that uh it was uh can't find it. david phillips so we can blame him so that's pretty impressive david you've managed to offend mm. three groups of people in one joke well done there you go uh next week we're going to be looking at the subject of user research um and why everybody needs to pay attention to that so mm. i at the moment i have no idea why you should pay attention to that because i haven't thought about it very much and i haven't written the notes and i just threw it in thinking it was a good idea but i'm beginning to struggle to wonder how some audiences might possibly need to care about user research but i'm sure i'll be able to come up oh with some you'll be able to invent i mean song. you'll be able to find something <laughs> paul <laughs> absolutely yeah it'll be fine it'll all be great oh cat's excited about a user research show that's, so that's because she is a user researcher user research yeah 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 that's the you're yeah. no good i've got to excite people like lewis who's a developer to care about user research that's going to be my challenge and to be honest, Lewis doesn't really seem to get excited about much. He's one of those stoic people, if I may say so. Mm. Okay, so there we go. That's uh, that's next week. Hopefully you'll join us for there. And and we'd love to have you come along to these live shows as well. They, they're normally about 3 p.m. on a Thursday, although that does vary a little bit sometimes. You can find out when the next one's going to be by going to boagworld.com forward slash show forward slash live and you'll be able to see when the next show is and register for to be notified about it because um, I'm getting fed up with these same old people in the room every week. I mean, you know, let's have some fresh blood. There you go. Thank you very much for listening. I'm getting abuse in the chat room now and goodbye. I'm